0: Amen. Revelation chapter number one. And, you know, I just want to point this out. Some of you are aware, but others of you are not. But oftentimes, this book is referred to as the book of revelations. It's wrong. That is the book of revelation. It's not revelations. It's one revelation that was given to John. Actually, the title is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not even the book of revelation. It's the revelation of Christ. And that's what the book is really about it is about the unveiling of Christ for all that we make of the end times may we never forget that all of the events are for one purpose and that is to unveil the greatness of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ it's not to talk about the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and one world government it is only to say that all of these things will bring about the exaltation and the magnifying of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Can you give Him praise? Never lose sight of that in Jesus' name. All right, here we go. Verse number 1, Revelation 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave Him, Jesus, to show His servants... Things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. That's how it begins. Now drop down to verse 9. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice As of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the shining sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and I am everything in between in Jesus. How many of you know He's all that you will ever need in this life? Amen? Now, this morning, I want to share with you for a few moments just a very simple message entitled, The Reveal, The Forgotten Ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I would just ask that over these next few moments, You would glorify Your name, and Holy Spirit, I pray that You would glorify the Son. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have free reign to do in this service whatever you choose to do because it is not about our agenda or plan. It is about you doing as you please among us. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open and be receptive to you today that we may receive the work of the ministry afresh and anew of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen and amen. Would you give the Lord praise in his house one more time before you're seated? Amen. And before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him you love him. In Jesus' name. Pastor Joe had mentioned this. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Pentecost means 50 And it is 50 days after Easter or 50 days after Passover. Many of you know that Pentecost was a Jewish feast. It was a Jewish feast where they would celebrate the ingathering of the wheat harvest. But it was also the day, 2,000 years ago, that God poured out His Holy Spirit on 120 men and women that had gathered in the temple complex And there was the beginning of the church. This was the birth of the church. So Pentecost Sunday is not only a day where we celebrate the birth of the church, but it is even more importantly the time when we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God coming to live within those who believe upon His Son, Jesus Christ. And how many of you are thankful today... For the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that God has taken up residence within your heart and mind through His Spirit. Now, I don't know if you'll remember this, but a couple of weeks ago I shared with you a message on the Holy Spirit and how He is our guide through and for the last days. That of all the times that God could have poured out His Spirit, He chose to pour out His Spirit in the last days understanding that we would live in perilous times and that those perils would continue to escalate until the return of Christ God said they can't do it alone. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and He's going to guide them and direct them. He is going to empower them for the struggles that lie ahead. And I don't know about anybody else here, but I am thankful that I have the ability to walk in the Holy Spirit in spite of the difficult days that we live in. He makes sense of it to me. He strengthens me and guides me. I don't know what I'd do without the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful for Him in Jesus' name, if you believe, I give Him praise here this morning. So, here's what I want to do. I, I want to kind of drill down into that thought a little further here today, and I want to do it by looking at a very personal story that is related to us here in our text. It was about a year ago that I was studying the Book of Revelation for myself. And I came across this particular portion of Scripture and I immediately saw something that I had never seen before and I put a reminder in my phone to remind me three months ahead of Pentecost Sunday that I wanted to share this with you today. And so, I've been just kind of chomping at the bit for the better part of the year. It's nothing deep, it's never profound, but I hope that it's something that will challenge you today. You know, for all that we do to avoid struggles and heartache and difficulties in life, there is something about passing through... Seasons of struggle that provide for us a heightened sensitivity to our desperate need for the presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives That is if we do not allow ourselves to be crushed by those trials And I'm sure that there are many of you that would say amen That some of the greatest encounters you've had with God have come in the most difficult seasons of your life In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 34 and verses 18 through 19, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Needless to say, the only way I will ever experience the deliverance of the Lord is if I allow myself to go through the afflictions of the righteous. That the only way I will ever sense the nearness of the Lord is when I approach Him with a broken heart. The only time that I'll ever recognize the salvation of the Lord is when I come to Him in a broken spirit. I don't understand it completely, but there is something about trials. There is something about walking through tight places that affords us the opportunity to see Christ as we have never seen Him before, which as you're going to see in a moment, is the forgotten and even overlooked ministry of the Holy Spirit. That it is the Holy Spirit who reveals Christ to you and I in the difficult seasons of life. And nowhere do I see that more vividly illustrated than John's imprisonment on the island of Patmos. Many of you know this story. Many of you do not. And I want to relate some of this. I don't want to take a lot of time here, but in order for you to completely understand what I feel the Lord's laid on my heart, I need to do a little background here. First, I want you to notice how John refers to himself in this text. He says there again in verse 9, I, John, both your brother and your companion. Now when you first start reading that, it would be easy to miss how profound that opening statement is. But with these words, John shows incredible humility. When he says, I, John, the way it's constructed in the Greek, it is like when something extraordinary or unexpected happens to you and you say, can you imagine this happened to me? You're so amazed that you have been given that opportunity that you say, can you believe this happened to me? Me, Kurt, Kenny, what did I do to deserve this? And all of us have been in a situation where entrusted to us was something great. Maybe an, a door was opened up to us, an opportunity. And we were trying to relate that to someone and we said, can you believe this happened to me? I mean, who am I that a gift would be given to me like this? And that's how John is relating this. He's saying, Who am I? I'm John. I'm your brother. I'm your companion. Who am I that this would be given to me? Now you know what? If this was some unknown person, then we would all be joining in, our, in his surprise. But this is John. This is John, one of the twelve disciples of Jesus Christ. This is John, one of three that were closer to Jesus. This is John, who was actually the closest of all the disciples to Jesus. While Jesus was on this earth, there was no one closer to Jesus than Jesus. John. And so it doesn't come to us as a shock that it happened to John. In fact, if there was any disciple we would expect it to happen to, it would have been John. And yet John does not take that position. Instead, John says, who am I? I'm just John. Forget who I was in the past. I'm John. I'm your brother. I'm your companion. Who am I that any of these things would happen to me? He says, I'm your brother. I'm no different than you are. I'm your companion or I am your partner. And I love it here. He takes a position of of humility. There's no positioning here. There's no posturing. He's not spreading his title. He's not lifting up his office. He's not name dropping. He just simply says, I, John, your brother, Your partner, it happened to me. And I think that this was John's way of saying that there was nothing special about him. That if we love the Lord as he loved the Lord, that if we desire to please him as he desired to please the Lord, then God can do extraordinary things in our lives as well. How many of you believe that God could actually use you in a mighty way in the days that we are living in, in Jesus' name? How many of you, three of you, how many of you believe that God could do that? I think that every once in a while we need to be reminded of it because we read the Bible and we just look at these men and women of God and we think, man, God could never use me like that. I'm never going to be like David and I'm never going to be like Daniel and I'm never going to be like Isaiah and I'm never going to be like John and I'm never going to be like Paul. But if you read the Bible, they were all men and women just like you and I are. They put their pants on one leg at a time. They all had faults. They all had failures. They all had struggles. But they loved God and they wanted to be used by Him And I don't care who you are today You are a candidate for God to do extraordinary things in your life If you love God and you're called according to His purpose In Jesus' mighty name But what was he? their brother and partner in? He says, first, I am your brother and your partner in tribulation That word tribulation is powerful It, It carries the idea of pressure The idea of stress. It actually carries the idea of a crushing experience. I'm wondering, has there ever been anyone here that has been stressed out. Let me just see your hands if you've ever been stressed. The rest of you are lying. How many of you have ever felt pressured before? Uh, I don't know if I dared ask this one. How many have ever felt like you were in a crushing experience in your life? All of us have been there before. Well, the good news is you're in good company. Even John was there. It's interesting, as I was studying that this week, um, I learned that the Greek word for tribulation here was actually a word that was used in John's day to describe a particular form of torture. If you had been taken captive by the Roman soldiers and they wanted to extract information from you or get out of you a confession, oftentimes they would put you under a boulder. And they would slowly begin to lower it upon your chest and it would continue to press upon you until literally it took your breath away. You felt as if you were going to suffocate. And if you didn't cave by then, they would just slit the rope and it would crush you to death. And that's the word that he is using here. He says, what's happening to me right now feels like I am being crushed out. It makes me feel as if I am going to suffocate the pressure that I am under right now. But he also said, I'm your brother and I'm your companion in the kingdom. And the kingdom here just speaks of the rule of God, that he's under the rulership of God. And that's something that we need to point out as well. Because again, this is John. There was no one closer to Jesus than John. And you would have thought that that relationship would have exempted him from any difficulty. But instead, John says, I'm not entitled to anything. I'm still under the rule of Almighty God. And whatever path he chooses for my life, I will remain in it. And every one of us need to realize that just because we're the sons and daughters of Almighty God does not mean we are entitled to anything. We are still under the divine sovereign hand of Almighty God. Can you say amen to that? And then finally he says that he is their brother and their companion in patience. In patience and I love that word. In fact, this was one of the first words maybe 27, 28 years ago that I really started studying. And I was just fascinated with how powerful this word really was. The word patience It is really a compound word. It is derived from two Greek words. The first word meaning under, and the second word meaning abide. When you put it together, patience, as far as God is concerned, means that even though you're under something, you abide, that you remain, that you do not let it get the best of you. Literally, it is a word that means staying power. It is a supernatural ability that is given by the Holy Spirit in order to endure, to press on regardless to what you're going through and regardless to what you're experiencing. And so Paul says, I am your brother and I am your companion in tribulation, in kingdom, and in patience. And what pressure was he under? He tells us right here too. He was on the island that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now many of you may have heard this, some of you may not. The Isle of Patmos was one of 50 prison islands in the Roman Empire. And this was where the vilest offenders of that day were sentenced to hard labor. Now you have to remember that as John is there, he's not a young man. This is 60 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John is 96 years old by now. 96 years old. He is the only surviving member of the original 12 disciples. All of them have died a martyr's death, presumably. He is the last living disciple. 96 years old. Working hard labor on the prison island. Now, some of you are probably saying, "Why is a 96-year-old man on a prison island?" What historians tell us is that before he was ever there, Domitian, who was the Caesar at that time, had John boiled in oil to kill him. But when he came up out of the oil, he was unscathed. There was no harm done to him. In fact, historians tell us that it was such a miraculous deliverance that thousands who had watched him throw. Into the boiling oil, came to Christ Jesus after they saw him come out of the oil completely unscathed. At 96 years old, Domitian said, If I can't kill him, then I'm gonna work him to death on a prison island where he's out of sight and not of mind. He put him there to work him to death. You know what? Domitian died before John did. (laughs) I love that, I really do. But he was sentenced there as a criminal. To work on the chain gang. They quarried marble and rock there on the Isle of Patmos. So here is a 96 year old man. A man who has devoted the better part of his life to serving Christ. But he is carrying out a sentence on this prison island. Historians of the day tell us the order of being on that island. They tell us that his imprisonment would have begun with a violent scourging. a, A violent whipping. He then would have been perpetually chained. There was never a day that went by that he was not shackled to another criminal. He would have been barely clothed. He slept on bare ground in a dark cave and he worked under the daily lashes of a cruel, brutal taskmaster. And what was his crime? Preaching the word of God and bearing witness to the life, death, resurrection and soon coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you don't believe that persecution is coming to the United States of America, you are in for a very vivid awakening one day. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how intense it will become. But I am telling you, you are fooling yourself if you believe that our liberties are not going to quickly be taken away from us. Say men are ouch. I know. People don't want to hear that. Not in the United States. It's coming as sure as the sun rises every morning and sets in the evening. Unless there is a major awakening in this country, persecution will come. Maybe not this intense, but it will come. Are we ready for it? And so this is the tribulation, this is the pressure, this is the stress that he is under. And what John is basically saying in all of this is because of my unwavering commitment to the Word of God because I will not change my message but will bear witness that he and he alone is the only way to the Father I am under the pressure and the stress of this crushing experience on the Isle of Patmos but I want you to know even at 96 years old John says I will endure I will press on I am not giving up and I'm not giving in because I am still under the rulership of the Lord Jesus Christ my Savior who he says by the way is the one who didn't give up on us but went all the way to death upon the cross for our salvation and as I think about it it only seems reasonable that I would now be willing to sacrifice my life as a living sacrifice to the living God almighty Amen. He says, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be shaken. Even if it kills me, I'm going to stay true to Almighty God. And can I just take a moment and tell you that that is the heart of every true disciple. I might find myself in unfavorable circumstances because I have put my trust in the living God. I may be pressed. I may be pressured. I may be stressed out and I may feel like I'm suffocating under the weight of this crushing experience, but I'm telling you I'm enduring. I'm pressing on, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving in, because I am still under the rule of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior, and I believe that greater is He that is in me than He that is in this world, and I'm not giving up in Jesus' name. Can somebody give God the praise if your intention is to go all the way with God? Amen. But God doesn't abandon John in this. This is what I love. Like we just tend to think that God abandons us because everybody else does. I'm going to tell you, neither did God abandon him, but he actually will use this as an opportunity to show himself to uh, John in a way he has never seen him. He'll visit him in a special way. Look at this. He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I was in the Spirit. God give us men and women who can be in the Spirit in the midst of suffering and pain. It just feels like today, most Christians, when they start suffering, they bolt. They start blaming God. John, under this significant pressure, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day now you know what if he was in a church building we might understand being in the spirit but he wasn't in a church he was in a cave he wasn't raising his hands to the Lord he was breaking up rock he wasn't surrounded by saints he was surrounded by the vilest sinners of that day he didn't hear praises to God he heard men blaspheming God's name but in spite of where he found himself he was still in the spirit praising God how many of you thank the Lord that in the midst of your great this trial you can still be in the spirit in Jesus name amen you know as you look at that he says I was in the spirit and what that literally means the, 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 the idea that's trying to be conveyed there is that it happened suddenly that it happened abruptly That literally it caught John off guard. That this came out of nowhere. You could actually read this. That I found myself suddenly in the Spirit. That all of a sudden, while he's breaking up rock, as he's hearing men and women cursing God, all of a sudden, he finds himself in the Spirit and taken into heavenly places. I'm going to tell you, right in the midst of his pain, he found the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I don't understand it. All I know is that it's true. And that is that sometimes in your darkest hours, if you'll remain steadfast and not let go of God, He will come to you by His Holy Spirit and He will take you places you've never been to see things you've never seen before. In Jesus' name, never, never curse the darkness because God's brilliance shows best in dark places. In Jesus' name, come on, somebody give God the praise if you believe that. And so he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and he said, I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, which we are told later represent the churches of that day. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire." His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. I do not need to tell you this, but I will, and this one is none other than Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Understand that John has not seen Jesus in over 60 years, but even now as he sees him, he sees him as he has never seen him before. But what I want you to see, and this is the the real crux of what I want to say today, the crucial part is that before he saw Jesus in his exalted form, he was in the Spirit If he was not in the Spirit, then he could have never had this revelation of Christ. He could have never seen Christ unveiled for who he really was at that moment. And I want you to understand that this is the forgotten ministry of the Holy Spirit that the ministry of the Holy Spirit first and foremost is to unveil Christ so that we might get a glimpse of the mighty God that we serve today so that all fear would be driven from our life and that we would fall upon bended knees and say, there is no one like our God in Jesus' name. Come on. Amen. Do you believe that? The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to unveil Christ. And without the Holy Spirit, you will never see Jesus for who he is. Without the Holy Spirit, you will never really feel impassioned to worship God. I would honestly tell you that the reason many of us struggle getting our hands up in worship is not because you're tired. It's because you've never seen Jesus for who He is. Because if you really saw Jesus for who He is in your spirit, you couldn't help but get those hands into the air and magnify the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. I don't know... If you ever thought about it before, but just consider all of the New Testament scriptures where the Holy Spirit is seen actively unveiling Christ. I mean, just think about it. Jesus was conceived in Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Mary asked, how am I going to be with child, seeing I have never been with a man, the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit unveiled Christ, if you will, in the womb of Mary. Uh, Many of you remember that when Mary heard this, she immediately made her way to her cousin Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth at that time was carrying John the Baptist Who would of course become the forerunner To the ministry of Jesus Christ That's another story we'll get into in a moment But what is interesting Is that when Mary arrives at Elizabeth's house She greets her And listen to what happens Luke one forty one, And it happened when Elizabeth Heard the greeting of Mary That the babe leaped in her womb And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit She was filled with the Holy Spirit To bear witness to her That the child in Mary was Jesus. Again, he was unveiling Christ to Elizabeth. When John the Baptist was born and he grew up to be a man, he of course went before Christ to prepare the way. He was the forerunner of the ministry of Christ. But he did not know who the Christ was. He did not know his identity. But he tells us how he would know. He says it in John chapter 1 verses 33 through 34. He says, I did not know him But he who sent me to baptize, that would be the Father, with water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. He said, I was told ahead of time that I would know the Christ, that he would be unveiled to me, that he would be revealed to me when I saw the Holy Spirit come upon him and remain on him. I love this I could go on He goes uh, Jesus said in John 16 In verse 14 Speaking of the Holy Spirit He will glorify me For he will take of what is mine And declare it to you Jesus said in Acts 1 In verse 8 But you shall receive power When the Holy Spirit Has come upon you And you shall be witnesses to me I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in you So that wherever you go You can unveil The eyes of men and women To know that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God I love what Paul said In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Beginning at verse number 14 He says But the natural man Does not receive the things Of the spirit of God For they are foolishness to him Nor can he know them Because they are spiritually discerned Listen folks I can stand up And I can do my best To make the scriptures as clear And as plain to you as I can But the reality is If you just try to figure it out In your own mind You're going to walk out Saying the old man Has no idea what he's talking about Because it is Not discerned in your own mind It is discerned by the spirit of God Within you He bears witness to the truth That is being spoken in Jesus name I love in Matthew chapter 16 And Jesus is talking to his disciples And he said to them But who do you say that I am Simon Peter answered and he said you are the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus answered and said to him blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven he asked them point blank who do you say that I am and he says you are the Christ the son of the living God he says it's impossible for you to arrive at that conclusion in your flesh and blood body God had to have revealed that to you by his Holy Spirit I am just telling you today that the church needs a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ in this hour but without the Holy Spirit it is impossible. We need a fresh baptism of the Spirit of God to open our eyes to see Jesus high and lifted up and the mighty God that He is today. Come on, somebody give God the praise if you believe that. Isn't it amazing? For all that we hear about the work of the Holy Spirit for all that we hear about The necessity of the Spirit. For all we hear about prophecy and tongues and signs and wonders which we believe in. How many times have you heard anyone say that without the Holy Spirit you will never get a true vision of who Jesus Christ is. You see I can stand up here and I can preach to you Christ. But at best I'm only an introducer. I can only introduce you to this man, Jesus, but only the Spirit can take you back 2,000 years ago to show you Him dying for you on your on His cross, rising again from the dead, ascending to the Father. Only the Spirit can show you who He is, that He's coming for you one day, and put within you a reality that He's not just something to preach about, but He is a living God who lives inside of me in Jesus' name. Come on. Give him praise. And John saw Jesus, the Christ, as he was presently. That's what we need to see, is Jesus as he presently is. We romanticize who he was 2,000 years ago, but he's not the same, if you will. He is glorified today, and only the Spirit can give you that. You're not going to have a vision probably like John did. But there is going to be a moment when you're alone with God. And you are brought to your knees when you finally, through the Spirit, begin to see the power and majesty of Jesus Christ. John saw Jesus immediately as the one who was in the midst of the candlesticks which the Bible says was the church. So think about it. The very first image that he has given of Christ is Jesus still in the church. Can I tell you, Jesus is still in the midst of His church. When men and women are abandoning the church, I want you to know Jesus is still walking in the midst of His church and He's building it in such a way that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it in Jesus' mighty name. He then saw Him in a long flowing garment which is His high priestly robe. And it's saying that Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. Only through the Holy Spirit will you see Jesus at the right hand of God the Father Almighty ever living to intercede for you that your faith would not fail but that you would overcome. He then saw Him with hair white as wool which speaks of His wisdom. And you can never access the wisdom of Christ without the Holy Spirit. He saw Him with eyes like... A flame of fire speaking of his penetrative knowledge and that nothing is hidden from him. Do you know nothing you do is hidden from the Lord? Nothing you say is hidden from the Lord. Nothing you think is hidden from the Lord. He knows all perfectly, but you can never tremble with fear in that until you have the Holy Spirit. He then saw Him with feet like brass refined in the fire which speaks of judgment and His refining of the people of God. He is walking through His church judging the church and refining the church so that it would be as Him in the earth. And then He heard His voice and out of His mouth came a sharp two-edged sword which you know represents the Word of God which reminds us that without the Holy Spirit we will never be able to understand the Word Word of a living God, and I know that some of you are gonna to want to hear this, but the reason that you're not excited when you open up the word of God to read it is because you've never known the Holy Spirit, because only the Holy Spirit can give life to the word of God that you read in Jesus' name. Folks, I gotta tell you today we need a fresh revelation of Jesus, which means we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that we can see Him for who He is. He's not a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. He's not a suffering Savior bleeding on a cross. And He's not just a resurrected Savior. But He is the mighty, all-powerful, coming King of kings and Lord of lords. He's highly exalted and has been given a name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is the King of kings. And He is the Lord of lords. And He is worthy of our praises morning. Magnify him in this house today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise in this house. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But watch this. I love this. And when I saw him, he says in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead but he laid his right hand on me and he said to me do not be afraid I am the first and the last. Now I love this contrast. I really do. So awesome was the sight of Christ that John fell at his feet as if he was a dead man. And that is more than symbolic. Every one of us in this room need to have such a revelation of Christ that we become as dead before him that it is no longer I that lives but it is Christ who lives in us. We all need to have such a revelation of Christ that we all become as dead that we die to ourselves And that we are alive unto Jesus Christ. The truth is, until you fall before Christ, you can never stand against your enemies. Until you have seen Christ for who He is, then you will never see your struggles for what they are. The reason that there is such a lack of of the fear of God in the church today, the reason that there is so little awe of Christ is because so few of us truly walk in the Holy Spirit and have a revelation of Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, if we had a revelation of of who Jesus is today, many of us would stop dressing the way we're dressing. We'd stop gossiping like we're gossiping. We start loving like we have never loved before. The very reason that the activity continues is because we have not had a revelation of the majesty and the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And the reason that some of you are constantly struggling with battles in your life and and you're afraid and you run out and you bail out on the Lord is because you've never had a revelation of Jesus. Because if you had a revelation of Jesus, you would say, if he's for me. No one can be against me in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give God the praise for that if you believe it. But here's what I love. He has this image, but Jesus comes over to him in all of his splendor, and all of his glory, and he lays his right hand on his shoulder. And he says, do not be afraid. How awesome is that? All of this power, all of this majesty... The infinite might of Christ was on display in one moment. But rather than using that all-powerful status to intimidate John, he lays his hand on his shoulder and he uses it to initiate courage in John's heart. He says, don't be afraid. Even in the midst of your storm, I am still with you. You know, it's sad, but every once in a while you'll hear parents who just kind of bow up in their power and in their authority and they leverage it to intimidate their children. Bad move. If you're a parent like that, shame on you. You're driving your kids away from you. A good parent actually uses their power and their authority to initiate courage within their sons and their daughters, so that their sons and their daughters would know that they are for them and not against them. In Jesus' name. And what I love here is that Jesus has put on display his majesty and his power, and he could have bowed up, stuck his chest out, and said, Be intimidated by me. Instead, he intimately lays his hand on his shoulder and he says, Be encouraged. Do not be afraid. I'm the first and I'm the last. I was here before your storm began. And I'm going to be here when the storm is all over. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In Jesus' name. Amen. What a mighty God we serve. And that can only come to you through the Holy Spirit. I can stand here and preach on this every Sunday. But until you have the Holy Spirit, it'll never be real to you. So what is our takeaway today? There's just a few thoughts. In fact, Josh, I want you to come. I love, uh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But I just want to give you a couple thoughts. I'm not really going to prolong this. These are just some thoughts I want you to consider this week when you are seeking the presence of the Lord. Number one, be encouraged. Be encouraged. Jesus will come to anyone who will open their heart to Him. Be encouraged. Jesus will come to anyone who will open their heart to Him. That's what John wanted us to know right out of the gate. I'm just John. I'm just your brother. I'm just your companion. There's nothing special about me. I just wanted to know the Lord and He revealed Himself to me. And if you'll open up your heart and want to know Him, He will show Himself to you. Number two... Be faithful. The most challenging days are opportunities to see the Lord in a fresh way. Some of you right now are going through some very challenging times and you're ready to bail, but I'm telling you, you be faithful because the most challenging days are usually opportunities to see the Lord in a fresh way. God is allowing you to go through a storm so that He can show you how great that He is. In Jesus' name. Number three, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because without Him, Christ cannot be unveiled. You can't study your way into a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You've got to spend time alone with God and waiting upon the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Kurt, I've already been filled with the Holy Spirit. When was the last time? Because my Bible tells me that we are to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time experience. You need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking you, when was the last time? When was the last time that you were alone with God when suddenly the presence of God came rushing into your heart and you wept as you were overwhelmed by the presence of God? And you might say, well, that's not me. I bet John would have said, That's not me either. But when you get a glimpse of Jesus, you can't help but be broken before him. Come on, say amen. When was the last time? Some of us have gone years without sensing the presence of God. And that's why people hop from church to church because they're looking for a feeling. You don't have to hop from church to church because it's not a feeling, it's a relationship and it doesn't depend what church you go to. You have a church in your own bedroom, in your own den where you can see God. Next, be expectant. God shows up suddenly. Be expectant. God shows up suddenly. John said, this happened suddenly. It came out of nowhere. I wasn't even ready for this. There was no warning. Suddenly showed up. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that as they gathered in the upper room, suddenly there came from heaven the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I don't know when he's going to show up, but he's going to show up in a time when you're least expecting it. So always be expectant. He might hit you on the way to work tomorrow morning. How many of you'd love to go into work tomorrow filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Just be ready. Be expected. Be in awe. He is greatly to be praised. He fell before Jesus as a dead man. And all of us, we just need to be in awe of the majesty and the greatness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And praise Him because He alone is worthy of our praise. Then finally, be not afraid. He is for you, not against you. Don't be afraid. He is for you. He is not against you. You know, this morning, as I was just going over my notes and I was just waiting on the Lord, I was reminded of this verse. It's Revelation 1 and verse 7. Listen to it. It says, Behold, He is coming with clouds and... A few eyes will see him. No, every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so amen. He's saying, listen, no one is going to escape Christ. Every eye will see him. Even those who nailed him to the cross will see Jesus. So understand what the Bible's saying. Everyone is going to have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Everyone. The most hardened atheist will one day have a revelation of Jesus Christ. They will see him for all that he is. Everyone. Now you can have a revelation of Jesus by the Holy Spirit now unto eternal life or you can have a revelation of Jesus Christ in heaven when you will be eternally under the wrath of God. You can fear him now and never fear again. Or you can fear him later to live in eternal fear separated from God. Folks, I would prefer right now that our eyes would be open to see that he is the Savior of the world. And that only in Christ is there salvation than to go through my life with a hardened heart, only to go through the motions then and be lost. The Holy Spirit came so that we would be witnesses. And today I bear witness that there is only one name given by which man may be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Bless the Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No. I wasn't necessarily thinking about ending the message this way, but this is how the Lord directed me. So this morning, his heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one is looking around. On that first Pentecost Sunday, not only were were those who believed baptized in the Holy Spirit, but 3,000 people were saved. And so I can't think of a better way to commemorate Pentecost Sunday. Then to ask if there might be someone here today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you're here today, my prayer is that somehow in this preaching, the very simple message I brought to you today, that your eyes were opened and that you got a. Gl-